630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. It is 6.06, folks. Welcome to the Thursday evening edition of 6.30 Chad Inside Sports. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed will be back on the big show tomorrow. Or, no, they'll be back on the big show on Monday. Tomorrow we got a football game. Come on, Campbell. Come on, Campbell. It's back pain medication. That's what I'm going to blame it on. That's what I'm going to do. Anyway, yes, we have uh, the big football game tomorrow. 6 o'clock, countdown to kickoff. 7.30 is the kickoff on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. The 7-1 Edmonton Eskimos against the 3-4 Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We will spend much of the night previewing this game, talking with uh, the people who will be calling it from uh, both sides of the fence. Also, you hear some comments from Jason Moss, from Kevin Glenn, from uh, Chris Jones, from Mike Riley. Oh, speaking of Mike Riley, he and Kenny Stafford have a message for everybody out there in the Eskimo Empire about you need to get down to the stadium tomorrow night and Watch your Edmonton Eskimos play the green and white. Yes, there'll be a green and white invasion, but uh remember whose house it is. Mike Riley with interpretation or uh, translation uh, from Kenny Stafford. Hey, I'm Mike Riley with the Edmonton Eskimos. We've had a good start to our season, but we got a big game coming up. Listen, y'all, we have an extremely important game coming up. Ain't no time you watching it from the couch. We need y'all here Friday night at Commonwealth Stadium. We all know that SAS fans travel well, but make sure in our stadium we got the right shade of green going on. Nah, we don't want none of that green and white. We need green and gold in Commonwealth Stadium. All right, make sure we got the home field advantage. We want you to drown out their offense when they're on the field. We want this so loud. We want this extremely loud. We don't want it like, uh, you know, Mosaic Stadium loud. We want it Commonwealth Stadium loud. Get this, get this house rocking. Let's go. All right, so make sure you get your tickets. We want 40000 in the crowd. No, we want fifty. No, we want sixty. Matter of fact, make it 100000 You know, get this place rocking. So we'll see you guys at the game. We out. Well, there you go. Mike Riley and Kenny Stafford. Yes, I, I won't be 100000 I think that might break fire codes. Won't be sixty. will won't be fifty. Probably 40000 and that is pretty good. As we are joined by the voice of the Edmonton Eskimos right here on 630 Ched, my broadcast partner on this radio station, Morley Scott. Morley, how you doing? Good, Dave. How are you? I am great. And uh, however many times that has been played, Mike Riley and <laughs> Kenny Stafford talking about the game tomorrow and why fans need to go out on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium and check this game out and defend home turf. It hasn't been played enough. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> fans are loving it, too. It's, it's getting a lot of play. Uh, uh, congratulations to the Eskimos marketing department, whoever came up with the idea, because uh, it's a good one. I've watched it several times, and every time I watch it, I chuckle. Also, don't forget when you come tomorrow, bring something for the food bank as well. It's Pure Litter Tackle Hunger uh, night for the Eskimos tomorrow night, so bring some cash 
I know there's an equation. I think it's a dollar. Uh, every dollar equals two pounds or something like that right. uh, for, for cash. Uh, or you can bring a non-perishable food item as well. And Eskimos President Len Rhodes today at the news conference said, uh, we're going to have around 40,000 people at the game. Let's try and get 100,000 pounds of food. That's about two and a half pounds per person or the equivalent money. Uh, the Eskimos said, I believe it was 97,000 last year. So they want to crack the 100,000 mark for uh for pounds for uh, food for the food bank. So it's a great cause, a great initiative put up by the CFL and by Purolator. So don't forget that's part of tomorrow night's game as well. And why not maximize it, uh, you know, with one of the biggest crowds of the year. will be the biggest crowd of the year for sure uh, for the Eskimos and the Canadian Football League. And as Len Rhodes tweeted out earlier today, Morley, this is going to be probably the biggest crowd that we have seen in the CFL for the last two, three years. Yeah, I, I was talking to Len about that today and he said they're around they're just over 36 now. Maybe they're closer to 37 now than uh, now since then. But uh, they are uh, are targeting that 40,000 mark. They got a chance to be the biggest crowd, uh, or will be the biggest crowd, I believe, since 2015, and a chance to be the biggest crowd since 2014 when the Eskimos had 42,000 at a game here. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a great night. Looking forward to it. There's going to be some Ryder fans. Going to be a whole bunch of Eskimo fans should be a great atmosphere and a very important football game for both teams. The Eskimos want to get back on track after losing their first game of the year, and the Riders are trying to get something going. They haven't they haven't had a role going in a long time in Regina. They played Chris Jones today. said that game two weeks ago where they won over the BC Lions was probably the best game they have played as a team since he's been in Saskatchewan. Uh, since then, they've had the bye week, a week of practice, and they're trying to get on a bit of a roll tomorrow night against the Eskimos. Um, you know, I was I was uh, talking about this uh, next point here last night. Uh, Kevin Carius from Global Sports and I were batting this around about. Um, we know that the Calgary Stampeders are the chief rival of the Edmonton Eskimos, and the Labor Day series is is up next after this game tomorrow against the Riders. But you and I have called many games together since the 2010 season and we have seen many games with the Calgary Stampeders in Edmonton and you know I think minus the 2015 Western Final which was a magical atmosphere um, that that afternoon but it just seems like you know when you look at the Labor Day rematch game compared to a game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, to me, it just seems like there's something a little bit ramped up when the Riders come to town than, you know, when the Stampeders come to town. Uh, wh- what do you make of that point? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's true, and I think it's got to do with uh, the fa- the Rider fans. I mean, you don't get Stampeder fans coming to games here, uh, or if you do, you don't get as many, and you don't get them as boisterous, and, and you just don't get the atmosphere uh, from them that you get from the Ryder fans, and there's and let's let's be honest, there's there's a lot of Ryder fans coming to the games, but there's not. I don't think there's as many as people think there is. I know we see pe- things on Twitter, people talking, oh yeah, that's ten thousand Ryder fans, Ryder twenty thousand Ryder fans, whatever the case is. That's that's not the case. There's a lot of Ryder fans that come to the game. Uh, the vast majority, and I dare I say, over ninety percent of them are probably uh, Eskimo fans. So I, I don't think it's as big as a lot of people think it is, or as big as a lot of Eskimo fans, or uh, sorry, as big as a lot of Saskatchewan fans think it is, but uh, there's a great atmosphere for sure. I think the Eskimos' biggest three rivals, uh, first and foremost, Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Ottawa, and they're all for different reasons. The, the Calgary one, though, is different. you got to have two teams playing well and winning games for it to be a rivalry, yeah. and that hasn't been the case for the last five, six, seven years. 
uh, Calgary wins the majority of the football games when these two teams meet. The Eskimos had a good time with them in 2015, but outside of 2015, it's been pretty tough for the Eskimos to meet the Calgary Stampeders. It's not really much of a rivalry when you look at the scores. Uh, the Riders, it's a different case. The Riders have won some games against the Eskimos. Throw in the Chris Jones aspect of it a couple of years ago. That kind of ramped it up again, and it's been a good rivalry. So, yeah, there, there is something different when Saskatchewan comes to town. I don't think you can doubt that at all. By the way, when uh, the Riders come to town and you see these uh, interesting attendance numbers uh, acclaimed by Rider fans, that's called Rider math. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Morley Scott always, joins always a lot of times it's just one too many. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, there you go. Morley Scott joins us, the uh, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Eskimos, right here on six thirty. Chad Morley and I, along with Blake Dermott, Brendan Ulrich, will have live coverage of this game tomorrow. Eskimos Riders on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium tomorrow night. Countdown to kickoff begins at six, and the kickoff is at seven thirty for the Eskimos this week. Morley, the first time this season that they have gone into a week of preparation with a sour taste in their mouth and the and the feeling of a loss of course they lost a week ago in winnipeg uh 20 uh, 30 33 26 and that broke the streak of the undefeated streak they're seven and one now um it's going to be interesting to see how this team responds off of that loss i i have no doubt they'll respond pretty well dave i mean you you talk to guys all week long and you talk to jason moss and it's they, they're not doing anything different because they lost uh, they lost the game in Winnipeg. They're sticking with the process. They're still doing what they've been doing. Uh, Jason Moss continues to say uh, they made some plays last week in Winnipeg. He didn't like their technique. He didn't like their execution on a lot of things. And I know there, you know, there was drop passes. There was a lot of missed tackles in the game. And if if you get those on the right side of the ledger, maybe that game has a different outcome uh, because it turned out to be a lot closer game at the end than people would have thought it was going to be come halftime. So uh, yeah, they just went back to work this week and as. Mike Riley told us on the post-game show uh, last Thursday from Winnipeg, and as we said all week long, it's not our first loss. We know how to how to treat a loss. We know what to do after a loss. They just go back to the uh, drawing board, and they just go back to work. That's all they do. But they didn't do anything different this week. They don't work harder because they lost. They work hard every day. Uh, all football teams are like that. Just because you lose doesn't mean you work harder at practice this week. Maybe you have uh, a little bit more of a, a better attention span and you, and you don't let the little, little things slip to the cracks like the missed tackles and the drop balls and stuff like that. Maybe you pay more attention to that, but you still work as hard as you've always worked. You stick with the process and hope that it comes through for you. And that's, I think, what the Eskimos are going to be doing uh, tomorrow night. Uh, you know, they've done that all week long. They just, they basically, as we watch practice, Dave, all week, they basically have done what they always do. Now they just want to go out in the field and play better tomorrow. And the injured list uh, gets bigger again, huh. or I don't know. I mean, 10 changes, folks. 10 changes. You know, we were talking to Jason Moss today about it, and he, he kind of said, you know, the 10 changes kind of surprised him because he didn't think it was that many. And that shows you how used he is to seeing all the changes all the time and all the injuries. Uh, I believe it is the biggest uh, this year that they've had as far as changes go. But I think it comes with an asterisk as well, and I think that's what uh, Jason Moss was telling us too. He's not concerned so much with the 10 changes because when you look at some of those changes, it's adding John Chick. It's adding Elmondo Sewell. It's adding uh, Brandon Zilstra. It's adding Gary Peters. It's adding Arjun Colhoun back in the lineup. It's seeing uh, Forrest Hightower, who spent, uh, you know, won a great cup with Ottawa last year, then spent training camps, or, or at least the, 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 the pre-training camps, 
with uh, NFL teams. So they're adding good players. Alex Hoffmanellis is going to have to start at middle linebacker. It's not like these guys are, are playing their first games. So it's a little different taste uh, this week. The Eskimos, sure, they've got a lot of changes, and, man, they added more guys to the six-game injured list uh, since last Thursday's game in Winnipeg. But they're probably going to be uh, a more talented team possibly this week than they were last week in Winnipeg because of guys like Chick and Sewell and Peters who all come back to the lineup. And they're going to get more players back on Labor Day too, or in that Labor Day series as well. Guys like Adarius Bowman and, and Adam Konar and hopefully a Vidal Hazelton who's only on the one-game injury list, so uh, that certainly helps. Um, you mentioned the Riders and um, how important this game is for them and you know, I, I believe it was. I believe Chris Jones earlier in the season talked about. You know, we're going to have West meet West, and someone's going to fall back. Well, right now, it's the Lions that are falling back, and the Riders have them in their sights. But this is a team, Morley, that, and we'll talk more about this with Rod Peterson at the bottom of the hour. But this is a team that has a lot of trouble winning divisional games. They won one in their last game, but that was at home at New Mosaic. They have lost 15 straight road games against divisional opponents. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the urgency level of the Riders tomorrow and their level of, uh, you know, th- their sharpness in their game or, you know, just how they come off of that loss or that win yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as we talked about, they played their best game in the year in that win, best game in a year and a half probably. The thing that the Riders have to think about too, and I'm sure are, are addressing it, uh, they played a pretty good game uh, earlier in the season and won and then took the bye week came back and got smashed by the Calgary Stampeders in Calgary. Uh, they played an even better game two weeks ago against the BC Lions. They've taken the bye week. They don't want to let the same thing happen again playing in Edmonton this week. So uh, they're going to probably have a little more focus and a little more attention to detail this week as well as they try to get in a row. I mean, uh, if, if they got any thoughts, if they got any thoughts of finishing anywhere higher than, uh, than fifth or fourth place, uh, this is an important game, and of course, especially the two Labor Day games with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to be important for the Rough Riders. So they've won one in a row. They haven't been on many rolls in the last couple of years in Regina, haven't they? Uh, and uh, they get an opportunity to kind of get things going tomorrow night. So it's a big game for them as they get set to play like the Eskimos and Stampeders, their two biggest games of the season. All right, Morley, thanks for this. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, Dave, talk to you then. Take care. Morley Scott, play-by-play voice of your... Edmonton Eskimos. Yes, more players added to the six-game injured list. Uh, The most surprising was Euclid Cummings, the defensive tackle, and he was having a a stellar season, and he got hurt in practice this week, so he's on the six-game injured list. Corey Jones, who uh, left last week's game in Winnipeg with a walking boot, he's on the six-game injured list. Also, you can add uh, defensive back Andrew Liu to the six-game injured list. And, uh, yeah, it just keeps going and going. And then maybe the worst of all is Brandon Thompson. They're maybe their best defensive back. He is on the six-game injured list. As I mentioned, Vidal Hazelton is on the one-game injured list. So uh, that hopefully will mean good news for the Edmonton Eskimos. And they're going to have eight new starters on defense. But it's not like these are slouches. John Chick is going to start at defensive end. Armando Sewell is back after missing one game. Mike Moore will play in place of Cummings. And in two games, Mike Moore has three sacks, so that is helpful. Alex Hoffman else is going to start at middle linebacker. He did that quite a bit a couple of years ago when uh, Solomon Elamimian of the BC Lions, uh, he went down with a ruptured Achilles, and Hoffman Ellis played pretty well in place of Elamimian. Terrence Bullitt will play his first game 
ever as a starter at Will Linebacker. You got Arjun Colhoun on the field corner, uh, Forrest Hightower at field half, and then Gary Peters is back at his usual spot at the boundary half. Or, uh, so that's that's excellent. Then you got Brandon Zilstra back at the uh, on the uh, uh, the uh, boundary slot back position. So that is good news. So, but there are ten changes. I don't know if I've ever ever seen that. Earlier today, I was thinking. I think I believe there was an, a game where they had eleven changes, but I have no idea. They run together uh, sometimes the years and <laughs> the games, but ten is uh, pretty high, and I think it might be the highest that the Eskimos have ever had. I mean, they've had nine changes this year. They've had eight changes, and on and on and on. It will be a tough battle tomorrow, and uh, we got it right here on six thirty, Chad. Countdown to kickoff at six o'clock. The uh, kickoff is at 7.30, Riders and Eskimos. Right now in the second quarter, Thursday night football in Montreal. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who have won four straight, are taking on the Montreal Alouettes, and it is 10-3 in uh, in favor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It is 6.22, back with more of Inside Sports in a moment. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. You asked me to be It is 625. Savior. Welcome back to the program. Want to text in your comments about the game, anything else, you can do that. Uh, we're really going to focus on the game tomorrow night. The Eskimos and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you can do so. You can text in at 630-630. You can also tweet me at Dave underscore Ched. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, we will be joined by Rod Peterson, who is the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on CKRM Radio Regina. Yeah, the Riders feeling good. They're 3-4. and four. They waxed the BC Lions 41-8 over two weeks ago. They had a bye week last week. And uh, a lot of the uh, headlines around Riderville has, has been the uh, attempts to sign former NFL first-round draft pick Trent Richardson, who was not bad in Cleveland, had one good year, almost 1,000 yards rushing, and has been a bust ever since. I mean, they went through the Vince Young saga, which fizzled out quickly in training camp. This is this has just been an interesting story. Richardson, Kate, maybe we'll call it. That's ah, a little bit overstating it. But we'll get the uh, the green and white side of things with uh, Rod Peterson in a moment after a trip to the 630 Chet 24-hour news center, Thomas Dias. Camblin for Wilkins. This is Inside Sports. Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. 633, Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed will be back on Monday. We've got the football game tomorrow. Edmonton Eskimos taking on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Countdown to kickoff begins at 6 o'clock. The kickoff on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium will be at 730. Right now, late in the uh, first half of play, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who looked like they were going to blow this game wide open early on in the game, uh, are only up 10-3. They've been a little bit uh, careless with the football a couple of times. And the uh, Alouettes, they haven't been able to do much on offense, so this game probably closer than it should be, but uh, still in the late stages of the first half. Uh, Blue Jays, by the way, they lose 2 nothing to the Tampa Bay Rays when we talk about the Major Leagues of Baseball. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on in the show. Also, big news out of the uh, Canadian Football League today as Kent Austin has relieved himself 
of head coaching duties and has uh, appointed June Jones, who was brought in as a consultant or an assistant coach. He's an offensive guru, the run and shoot, which I think the Tiger Cats were doing anyway. Uh, but yeah, he's now the uh, he's now the head coach. So Ken Austin basically fired himself, but then saved himself because he backed away big time from the fiery line. He is still the vice president of football operations. Uh, yeah, let's bring in uh, Rod Peterson, the uh, voice of the riders on CKRM Radio in Regina. Roddy, what's going on? Good evening, David. Good to hear from you, buddy. Good to hear from you as well. Uh, first off, let, let's start. Let's start with the Hamilton story here. I just want to get your thoughts on uh, on on this happening today. And a lot of people were maybe you know, thinking this should happen, that Ken Austin should be relieved of his duties, but I don't think we expected it was going to be this way. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But I, I, I've been examining the Hamilton situation closely all year, as we all have. And for one, Dave, I think that their 0-8 start and all the horrible way that they've played caught them all completely off guard. Yep. It, it seemed like a panic almost from week one when they got thrashed in Toronto. And then, of course, the problems with Caleros and Kent were reported, which everybody acted like that's new. It's not. It goes back at least one season. And then, uh, you know, bringing in June Jones, throwing Jeff Reindeld overboard and, and making Philip Lawley the, the defensive coordinator was a bit of a knee-jerk or panic move. And now this. And everybody's saying, you know, what led to this? I can't think Kent did it you know, easily. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. And uh, my guess is that the president, Scott Mitchell, called Kent in and said, look, Kent, we're going to take away one of your duties. What's it going to be? Because he's got a lot. You know, basically was offensive coordinator, head coach, and GM, and now he's GM only. And uh, I guess that's the tough thing. When you give somebody all these titles and it doesn't go well, they start to get stripped away. And this, I I think, was, uh, was Kent saying, I guess this is what I'd like to give up. But Ken isn't going anywhere because what I've been told is he's got two more years on his contract after this one. And I don't think people have really soured on Ken Austin and Hamilton. He's done great things in his five years there until this year. Kent uh, isn't going anywhere. And I I can't see June Jones being the head coach past this season, to be honest with you. You know. Yeah, and I kind of wonder if this this is a situation, Rod, where Ken Austin removes himself from, from... from the head coaching position, he keeps the vice president of football operations position. Chance for him to get upstairs and work with Eric Tillman, who's his general manager. Look at the team from afar, and then perhaps he says, "Okay, now I have a better idea of what I need and who I want or who I don't want." And then he appoints himself again as head coach. Could that happen? That's a very but that's, I would suggest, a very realistic opportunity. But they're waiting to see how this all turns out. I just can't see June Jones being the messiah. And you talked about the run and shoot. They were passing 90% of the time anyway. Yeah. I mean, what really is going to change there? So I think what people forget is that Eric Tillman is there as the general manager. I don't know how many duties he has in that role, i.e. what he did in Edmonton and Saskatchewan, where he generally managed. There, I think he's just a personnel guy. But, again, I don't think Ken's going anywhere long-term, and if he's back on the sidelines next year, I wouldn't be surprised. I think, frankly, that Zach Caleros' days are going to be done in Hamilton. I agree. They're not count, uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to cut him outright. They can't. But people are saying in the league that the same things happened with Caleros that happened with Drew Willey in Winnipeg and that his confidence is gone and maybe a fresh start is what's needed. 
we're just kind of stunned because Kent was coach of the year in 07 in Saskatchewan, won the Grey Cup. He seemed like a completely different guy then than he does now in Hamilton, and maybe he just had too many roles. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, on on the point of Zach Caleros being on his way out, I mean, if you're going to run a run-and-shoot offense, you better protect your quarterback. They can't do that. And that's why Jeremiah Mazzoli, even though I don't think Jeremiah Mazzoli is the answer, but he's someone that can use his feet and get out of the pocket and maybe is more suited towards that offense because he won't sit back there and be a sitting duck. And Zach Caleros has some mobility, but let's face it, the guy's been hurt a lot in his career with concussions and knees and, and all sorts of things. And it just seems like Jeremiah Mazzoli gives him the best chance because he's not going to sit back there and get killed all the time. No, and he's healthy. But I think that when they return to the field in their in their next game, because they're in a bye right now, their next game is against the Argos on Labor Day Monday. I'm of the belief that Jeremiah Masoli will be the starting quarterback that day. But he is not the type of quarterback to run a run-and-shoot offense or whatever Hamilton's been running offensively all year long. So <laughs> they're in a major quagmire, and it's up to June Jones now to turn it around. That That's really what it looks like. When he was added three weeks ago, I think it was going into the game here, right? Mm-hmm. question about it as we're joined by rod peterson the voice of the saskatchewan rough riders here on uh, 630 chad inside sports as we're uh, previewing the uh, eskimos and riders game tomorrow on the Brickfield at commonwealth stadium uh the riders come in they're three and four i gotta i gotta think that this is a a real critical game for the riders if they want to make their move in the west division it, it'd be tough to go into labor day with a three and five record and a avalanche of questions directed towards the team especially chris jones well, and especially the way Winnipeg's playing. I mean, the Riders haven't had any easy games all year long. When you're fifth in the West, you're looking up at a lot of teams. But it's not going to be enough to come here, Dave, and play well and lose. It's it's just not. Um, the last game in Week 8, the 41-8 victory over the BC Lions, got a load of pressure off Chris Jones mm-hmm. and this staff because there is immense amount of pressure on them because of all the titles that he has for all the reasons that we talked about with Ken Austin. But there's no, there has not been for the last two weeks any talk of Chris Jones having too many responsibilities or that he doesn't know what he's doing. That was their best performance since Chris Jones arrived almost a year and a half ago. So tomorrow night is another game where we'll, you know, it'll be a statement game for the Rough Riders. They had huge home wins against Hamilton and Toronto and then went on the road and laid an egg in both Calgary and B.C. And now they're right in the same situation, a huge home win against a West Division opponent on the road. They've stubbed their toe on each occasion. They just can't do that tomorrow night. I just They can't afford to take another step back if they're going to make some noise in the West this year. they got to win tomorrow night. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how would you describe this team overall? They're, they're three and four. It seems like it's a bit better than last year, but they're still flirting with maybe disaster. But, but how would you describe it? <laughs> I, I've described them as mind-bogglingly... <laughs> Unpredictable. Okay, that's what it is. Because for the for about one calendar year, 
I've been watching this team in practice every day, Dave, going, these are unbelievably talented football players. Jones has done his job in Murphy and O'Day on the personnel side, but they just couldn't until last game get everything together on the same page on one day. And they finally did. But the talent is not in question here. It's a cohesive unit. And as I look at their changes for this week, there are only three. Last year, on a week-to-week basis, it was 10 to 12 per week, and it wasn't all injury-related. Mm-hmm. You were watching it. I mean, Chris Jones never seemed content with his 44-man roster on a week-to-week basis. But when I went out there this week to watch practice on day one, it was all the same guys in the same places as the last game. It's continuity. And you stood there today in front of Ed Ganey, as I did, CFL's interception leader, and he was asked, what's the difference on defense from a year ago? He said, cohesion. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I'm astounded by the plays they make in practice. They haven't until last week, been able to transfer it to the field. That's why I think this is a statement game for the team. If they win, it'll be, have they arrived? If they lose, I don't care if it's a blowout or by one point, it'll be back to this unpredictable bunch. That's what it is. They're a very good football team, Dave, and Kevin Glenn's playing the best football of his career. Mm -hmm. Statistically, he is. But it's not just one guy. So we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Yeah, on Kevin Glennon, the Riders' quarterbacking situation is, you know, from time to time gets talked about a lot. And there's a quarterback in Edmonton named James Franklin that has been talked about for well over <laughs> a year, as you know, as being, oh, well, the Riders love that guy. And Chris Jones, of course, his staff, when they were here in Edmonton, brought James Franklin into the into the Canadian Football League, and we know how high of a ceiling that James Franklin has. But you you talked about Kevin Glenn playing really his best football of his career. But when you refer to Kevin Glenn, it seems like Kevin Glenn is playing well, but you know, and it's the what happens after the but, right? And what my point is is how sustainable is this? I guess for the rest of the season because it always seems like Kevin Glenn finds the rough spot and the question is how well does Kevin Glenn come out of it and we've seen at times he does come out of it well and we've seen at times he just it completely tanks on him well I've had a front row seat for all three of his tours of duty in Saskatchewan when he arrived when he came a couple years ago and now here again now yeah Kevin Glenn's been playing great but you could say that, but when he was leading BC and leading Calgary, he was a different Kevin Glenn than here. When things went bad then, they went bad in a hurry. Like yeah. three interceptions on three consecutive series. That hasn't happened. He has not cost his football team their games this year and their four losses. Not at all. What's sustainable? I'm not sure. You know, this James Franklin thing is the juicy topic that isn't being talked about right now. But with this regime, way back in the offseason when the Franklin rumor came up that there might be a trade, this regime said to me, Rod, stop talking about it. We're not talking to Edmonton about James Franklin. They weren't then. Maybe when he hits free agency, then they'll make the call. But the only people talking about a potential trade have been the fans, not these guys. So they traded Durant. Of course, many people thought that would open the door to acquire James Franklin. It didn't happen. They signed Kevin Glenn. I thought, well, there's no way he's going to be the starter. He's the ultimate insurance policy. Well, the Vince Young thing didn't work out. And now here we sit on August 24th, and they're real happy with their quarterback stable, whether it's James Franklin coming in or not, because they got four guys there, one old, three young. Yep. And you probably saw the report that all four of their wages combined doesn't add up to what Darian Durant's making in Montreal. Right. They'd make that trade again, yep. particularly with the way Darian's played this year. And the way he's playing tonight, Darian is not at the top of his game. 
and I don't think he's going to hit that point again in his career. That's a trade they would make again. Yeah. So, Dave, this whole rebuild, nobody could fathom would be with a plan at the end of it that James Franklin will save the Saskatchewan Roughriders. Even if they went after him in free agency, there's nothing saying he'd come. The whole roof would collapse if it was all built around James Franklin. But they got they like Vernon Adams. They really like Brandon Bridge. And quite frankly, Marquise Williams, who you won't see tomorrow night, could be the future of all of them. Mm-hmm. But the option behind Gary Durant, there wasn't one for the last <laughs> several years. There wasn't. Yeah. So they've gone to work methodically to build a stable of good young quarterbacks. Maybe it's Vernon Adams next year. Maybe it's Kevin Glenn. Maybe it's the other two guys. At least they got some choices. And that that is a blueprint that you've now I've seen what Jones and Murphy have been doing here. It was unload Darian, free up a ton of cap room, and spread it around the other quarterbacks and the other positions. And quite frankly, it's it's worked pretty well so far. And as I sit here doing my depth charts and get ready for the game tomorrow night, they got a lot of depth here. They touch wood. They haven't had the injury problems the Eskimos have gone through, but you know, Tyler Cropinia goes down. They get another kicker sitting on the practice roster when Ben Gelswick. He gets hurt. Cropinia's ready to go. They've, they've got a wealth of talent at receiver that they've had to plug and play right. week by week by week. But there's been no airless. So as erratic maybe as it's looked like Chris Jones has gone about his business here, there has been a method to the madness. And they're getting better. Anybody can see that they're getting better. It's just been far slower than uh, our fans would like. That's yeah. For sure. As Rod Peterson joins us, the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on CKRM Radio in Regina here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Okay, final topic. I saved this for last. I was going to maybe bring it up in the beginning of the interview, but uh, I just changed my mind. Uh, like Trent sure. Richardson changed his mind about coming to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, Trent Richardson, of course, is a former uh, high draft pick of the Cleveland Browns in the first round. Had a pretty decent rookie year, but after that has been a real bust. Uh, but it looked like he wanted to resurrect his career in Saskatchewan. So I leave it to you to tell the rest of the story. Well, about him or all the other recycled NFL rejects. That <laughs> well, they, just that him. Brought in or <laughs> well, just, just him. I don't know why they even look towards Trent Richardson. Other than this, Chris Jones said it this week. You probably saw the quote. We are not in the business here. Our job is to not revive careers of NFL players. It's to win games in the CFL. Mm-hmm. So when he was on the phone, burning up the phone lines to Vince Young and Michael Vick and reportedly Johnny Manziel, it wasn't about getting those guys back to the NFL. It was to win games here. And they thought if Trent Richardson was willing to revive his career, and it sounds like he was, Dave, until he realized that he had to stay for two seasons. Yep. That's what ended it. He would have been here. Now, he wasn't that great in the NFL, 3.3 yard average carrying the football career. He, he wasn't that great, but they were willing to give him a shot in the CFL, but they're happy with where they are with Cameron Marshall. But I had uh, Derek Taylor on my show from TSN Sports Center on Wednesday. He said, what's Jones doing? With, with Is he trying to get headlines for his team in the States? That's what a lot of people in football are saying to me. Is he trying to prove that he can rejuvenate a career and get himself to the NFL? Yeah. No, it's a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. but he's doing it to win games here. That's the only reason. And so Trent Richardson thought about it, agreed to it, then reneged. I don't think he's the last one that you're going to hear about. I don't know of any that are in the hopper, but th- that's what they're trying to do. Okay. Well, the biggest storyline is what's going to be happening tomorrow night on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. That is uh, what I think is uh, shaping up to be a pretty interesting and a good football game between the Eskimos and the Riders. Uh, Rod, thanks so much for your time. We'll see you at the uh, ballpark what? tomorrow. 
Yeah, Dave, if I can, everybody at home saying, what's the buzz? What's the big story going into the game? Because there always seems to be one between these two teams. Yep. I said, it's the game. It's the game. The game is big enough. I'm calling it Canada's game of the week. I can't wait. Can't wait. You, you got a part. You got a pal. Okay, we'll talk to you tomorrow, okay? Thanks, Dave. You betcha. Rod Peterson, he is the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on CKRM Radio in Regina. Yeah, it's really, it's really nice that the game is the story. Not Chris Jones coming back, although that was kind of fun. And is it a bit of a storyline? I think it's in the background there somewhere. You know, um, I don't think a lot of fans will never forget or forgive Chris Jones for leaving Edmonton, but the game itself is the storyline. 40,000, hopefully 40,000 plus. It is pure later tackle hunger night, and the weather looks like it's going to hold up as well. 6.51, back with more Inside Sports in a moment. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chet. 6.55, we're here for Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca in the CFL tonight. It was a 10-0 lead for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Looked like they were going to be on their way to a, a route here, but then they uh, start making some mistakes, turnovers, and... The Alouettes find a way to tie the game up, so it's 10-10 going into the, or in the, uh, or at halftime. Earlier on today, Alex Cobb and four relievers combined on a six-hitter as the Tampa Bay Rays shut out the Blue Jays 2-0. Comes the day after the two teams combined for nine homers in a 7-6 Jays win. Tom Kohler made his first start for the Jays, pitched five innings. He gave up one run on five hits while striking out seven. We'll take a trip into the 630 Chet 24-hour news center. Next with Thomas Dias. Next half hour wide open. You want to call in? And uh, share a comment on the game tomorrow. You can do that, 780-496-0063. You can also text in at 630-630. You can tweet me also at Dave underscore Ched. Thursday evening edition of 630 Ched Inside Sports. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Ched.